0: Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're really pleased to have you join us for the program. To
1: take this message of Jesus Christ, which the devil calls a lie, the devil calls foolish, all the things the apostle Paul encountered, 1 Corinthians chapters one and two, Paul preached and, and he was told you're lying. He was told that's silly, that's foolish, that doesn't make sense. And here we are today. The same message that the world considers a lie considers foolish is radically changing people's lives.
0: Wisdom, how do you develop it? Solomon prayed for wisdom. His father David had made so many glaring errors, but he sat Solomon down and impressed on him the importance of living wisely. And so we find ourselves in Proverbs chapter one, as we begin our search for wisdom. Let's join Dr. Corbett now.
1: And there's a whole lot of mumbo jumbo spirituality stuff out there that is a lie. It is a lie and it tells people that God is, God is you know, kind of indifferent to how we live. God is indifferent to the kind of religious ideas you've got. God is indifferent about how you treat people and those statements are lies. God is very, very concerned about how we live. I mean, good grief. Anyone ever heard of Adam and Eve, Garden and Eden? God was very concerned about how people live. He he gave mankind from the very beginning rules to live by, didn't he? Do not eat of this tree. It wasn't a hard rule. And what did Eve do when the serpent came and tested her with a lie? What was the lie of the devil? God knows that if you eat of this tree, you'll become like him. What the heck? We were created in his image. We were already like him. The devil was not offering anything that wasn't already ours. And that's what sin does. It entices us into a lie. It's a lie to think that you can have something that God's already given you and that it'll come from the devil. That's a lie. Think about this. If the omniscient, which means all-knowing for us that haven't got a PhD, The omniscient God, if he's going to come up with the best way to save mankind, by definition, if you've got best, how many have you got? One, One. and that's all you need. And what does the, the lie that has stained every human heart want when we hear God's terms of salvation? When God says, I have provided the way of salvation, what does every human heart say? Well, I want one more, just to make my own choice. Now, what if God had given 10? What would mankind crave? 11. 11. One more. God doesn't have to give two. He only has to give one way to be made right with him, and it's through Jesus Christ. Here's an interesting fact that I heard this week. Islam started around about 580, 600-ish AD. So Islam has been around for the last 1,400 and so years. 14 point something centuries. And in that time, some of them have converted to Christianity. Do you know this? In the last 30 years, the last three decades, more Muslims have come to Christ in the Middle East than the entire 1400 years of Islamic history. More Muslims are coming to Christ today than at any other point in human history. Isn't that amazing? But what do you expect? What do you expect when God is working in human hearts? What do you expect? And we have the opportunity and we try to take advantage of that opportunity to take this message of Jesus Christ, which the devil calls a lie, the devil calls foolish, all the things the Apostle Paul encountered, 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2, Paul preached and, and he was told, you're lying, he was told, that's silly, that's foolish, that's foolish. That doesn't make sense. All of those things Paul got told in the first century. And here we are today. The same message that the world considers a lie, considers foolish, is radically changing people's lives. Radically changing people's lives. So today we have an opportunity to proclaim the love of God, the life-giving message of Jesus Christ to our city of Launceston our state of Tasmania and beyond. And people's lives are being changed. They're being changed. There are people in this room today that came because you first heard the message of Christ from this church in your car, in your kitchen, in your lounge room. And you are here today and God has transformed your life. There are stories of people's transformed lives in this, room's, in this room right now that we cannot share publicly because so dramatic has been the life change that Christ has brought about in people's lives by his Holy Spirit. that There are many people who would be rankled and deeply upset if they knew what Christ had done in the lives of some of the people in this room right now. So today, get ready. Jesus Christ can change your life. You may have come here today thinking, I'm just going to tick the box that says, done my religious duty. And today may be your burning bush. Today may be the day when God says to you, take your shoes off. I'm calling you into my service. Today may be the day when you walk out of this place, not just as a follower of Jesus Christ, but as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So we are commencing this short series on wisdom. And we are going to look at why wisdom is so critically important. And we're going to anchor it out of the book of Proverbs. And in particular, right now, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 1 and Next time we meet we talk about this, I'm going to talk about wisdom is a person. And that's going to be grounded in Proverbs chapter 8. And I encourage you to read the book of Proverbs. Today is the first day of the month. There are 31 days in this particular month. And I would, I would recommend that you read the book of Proverbs one chapter a day. Line it up with the day of the month. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And 25 of those chapters come from... A Jew, sorry, not a Jew. He Well, actually he was. Solomon was was of the tribe of Judah. He was a Hebrew. But we see six of those chapters came from people who were not. God used people who were outside of the nation of Israel to bring the wisdom of God. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? Wisdom is a type of knowledge. It's a type of knowledge... That is able to find what is best. It is a a type of knowledge that, when actioned, blesses people. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. One of the, the greatest pursuits of my life is to be wise. I want to be wise. And I've discovered that sometimes I look at problems and I think the answer is money. I think the answer is people. I think the answer is material stuff. And I've discovered that nearly always, in fact, if not always, the answer is none of that. The answer is wisdom. Wisdom. And in this book of Proverbs, this profound collection of proverbial statements. It is poetry. And it is poetry designed that you can take one proverb and it just makes sense all on its own. That's what a proverb is. It's meant to stand alone as a gem of wisdom. So I want to share with you a story, and and I hope in a blog that I'm writing to share with you a story about a family and every day we take a new chapter of Proverbs and we're going to share the story of this particular family and how the wisdom of Proverbs was immediately relevant to their situation there was a family that had five boys father and the mother husband and wife loved each other deeply. Their five boys grew and there came a time when unexpectedly and tragically their mother died. The father was left to not only raise his five boys but was in the situation where now because of the load that his wife was carrying and helping to support the family, he now had to go out and work a second job. He was working the second job trying to raise his five boys and as is all too common, children who feel neglected react in very predictable ways. The the older boy particularly the eldest son felt very rejected by his dad because his dad wasn't there his mother wasn't there and and so he got involved with the wrong crowd he soon afterwards lured his two older oh, sorry three older siblings into the same wrong crowd and so This father's, this single now single father's uh, four oldest boys uh, hanging out on the streets, getting involved in gangs and his heart was breaking. To his credit, it didn't take him long to recognise that his boys were feeling tremendous pain. And so he would go down to the mall He would go down to the street corner. He would go down and he would see them doing the things they shouldn't have been doing. And he would call out to them. They would hear their dad calling and they would wave their hand in a not too polite way. And and the dad would continue every day, every opportunity he got, pleading with his boys, come back home. Come back home home. They laughed at him. They scoffed at him. They, when they saw him coming, they would scamper away. They wanted nothing to do with their dad. Eventually, the, the wrong crew that these boys were hanging out with had promised them a life of instant ease, instant pleasure, instant success and gratification. And so one night... Along with some of these other gang members, they decided to hijack an unsuspecting, what they thought was an unsuspecting, wealthy businessman on his way home. They, they saw his car stop at the lights as it normally did. They tricked him into winding his window down and put a knife to his throat and then discovered that he was far from unsuspecting. The result was that a firearm was produced, boys died, and now this father had lost his four eldest sons. Utterly gutted, he sat in his lounge chair, doing all the if only I had statements, feeling the incredible weight of what have I done, blaming himself, when at that moment his infant remaining son came up to his dad and said, Daddy, what's the matter? The dad picked him up, put him on his lap and the infant son almost intuitively began to, with the back of his hand, caress his dad's cheek. The dad composed himself, looked at his son and realised he still had a son. This son on his lap was his son. And he looked into the eyes of his son and he realised you are all I have left. And something came over the dad. He composed himself and he began to talk to his son. Not just in frivolous conversation and potentially in a way that was way beyond the comprehension level of his infant son, but he knew this was important. And as he looked at his son, he said, son, do you remember your mother? Yes, daddy, I remember mom. Do you remember her doing just what I'm doing now? Do you remember her sitting you on her lap? Yes, daddy, I loved those moments. Do you remember her talking to you, teaching you? Do you remember her telling you about the world? Do you remember her instructing you about how to be a man? Yes, Daddy, I remember that. Son, never forget what your mother said to you. Never forget it. Never forget it, son. In fact, son, I've made some terrible mistakes as a dad and as a husband. I've made some terrible mistakes and I'm paying a big price for it now. But son, if you will listen to my words, you can have the kind of life men only dream of. And as this father looked into the eyes of his son, and if you will come with me to Proverbs chapter 1, we pick it up in verse 8. He says this, Hear, my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. As the father looks at his son, he ponders how his oldest boys took those first steps of compromise, those first steps of compromise. And he as a father didn't pick it up at the time. He missed his moment and not wanting that moment in history to be repeated, recognising for what they were those small steps of compromise, those times when as a family they missed church, those times when as a family they didn't honour God, those little compromises. He now says to his son in reflecting on his lost older Boys who compromised and got involved with the wrong people. Verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol or the grave, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. Verse 13, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us and we will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. You see, this this is an exchange between a father and a son. And it wasn't just four sons that died. It was much more tragic than that. This is King David talking to his young infant son Solomon. And David reflects back on his life where he had made some terrible mistakes. And I want you to ponder this as we read through the book of Proverbs and as we introduce this. I want you to see the heart of God and the heart of David. And I want you to ponder the big picture here. It's this. Every parent has a responsibility to train their children in wisdom. Every parent has a responsibility to train their children. Every parent. When are your teaching moments with your children? The more children you have, the harder you've got to work at this. The more time you've got to give each one. The more time you've got to give each child in a way that you can train and impart to them. And here's David with his son Solomon. And David went through everything that we're going to read in chapter 1 where he cried out to his sons, particularly to Absalom, particularly to these other boys who went way off the track, who got involved in the wrong crowd. I framed the story in perhaps a more contemporary setting so that we can immediately see the relevance of what we're seeing here in the context. And if you can allow me to come back into this modern context that I've painted for this story, the father, as he's looking at his infant son on his lap, he remembers those times when he went down to the street and he cried out to his boys, crying out to them, come back, come home, you're loved, please, why are you breaking my heart? Don't do this, you're the ones who'll end up paying the price, come home. Come home. Many a parent has wanted to call out like that to their wayward child. Many a parent. And here we have this father reflecting on this when we read in verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Verse 22. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? But if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Oh, The father in our modern story could reflect on the times when he too called out to his son unsuccessfully to come home. King David could reflect on the times when he pleaded with his boys to be restored and made right. And they rejected him and they died tragically. But there's a context beyond this, isn't there, where God, who is called wisdom... God is called wisdom. 1 Corinthians, as we're going to see in our next session, Jesus is the wisdom of God. And here it says, Wisdom calls out on the street corner for people to come and learn and be made wise. And in the moment we're going to see what the fruit of wisdom is. I mentioned before in defining it that it is a life that brings blessing both to the one who has it and to others. That's what wisdom will do. God is calling out for people. And there is an enemy who is working just, I was going to say just as hard, but that's not true. God is far more infinite than anything the devil can do. But there is a real devil who is spreading deception as fast as he can, telling people lies about God, telling people lies about the ways of God, the word of God, the will of God. Remember when Satan came to Eve in the Garden of Eden and he just fires this, has God said? Has God said, putting doubt into her mind about the word of God? Has God said you cannot eat of this tree? The serpent knew full well. That's what God had said. And how did Eve respond? She made the word of God harder than it actually was. This is her response. You remember this? God has said we cannot eat or touch this fruit. No, he hadn't actually. But that's what the devil will do. He will distort the wonderful word of God to us and make it sound uglier and harder than it actually is. Wisdom cries aloud. God is crying aloud. And I know that there are people who say, well, if God wants to speak to me, he can just do it and make it clear. No. Scripture is pretty clear that we have the potential to put our spiritual fingers in our spiritual ears and as God is screaming, we go, la, 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 la. And the la, 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 la is whatever our idol is. And you can do that. And today I'm calling you, come home. Come home. You may be just like these older boys who have begun to compromise. I'm calling you, come home. Turn back to God. Don't let any idol grip your life and lie to you. The world has nothing to offer you. Nothing. God has everything. And so we read as we come down. The father, I can imagine this father with this young infant son on his lap over the next few years as he spoke to him. He would have spoken to him about the things that are being summarized for us in chapter 1 of Proverbs. That wisdom leads to life. That there are, and this is what he would have taught him, that that there are consequences for your actions. This father would have taught this boy, you must be responsible for your life. You are responsible for your life. And so the father could then say to the son, if you reject wisdom, if you reject the offer of sanctuary, if you reject the offer of a loving home, if you refuse all of that and you go out and you pay the price, there's no one to blame but yourself. This is how Proverbs puts it. Verse 24. But I have called and you refused to listen. I stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Oh God. Oh God. If you're calling me, I don't want to refuse you. If you're stretching out your hand in invitation to me, I don't want my heart to be so distorted, my spiritual ears to be so deaf to you that I miss it. I hope that's your prayer. I hope that's your prayer. Verse 25, Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm, your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. There are consequences to rejecting God. And I've heard people say, I haven't got time to become a Christian now. I haven't got time to give my life to Jesus now. I'm having too much fun. Maybe when I'm on my deathbed and there's nothing else worth living for, then I'll give him my life. <coughs> if that's how you think, I've got, some, I've got some really important things to say to you. Firstly, if that's, if that's as good as you're prepared to give God, please at least give him that. Please. Please. Follow follow through on that. Here's the problem. How are you going to know when your final moments of life are? How are you going to know? What a risk. What a risk of eternal consequences you take by thinking like that. Eternal consequences when you think like that. Secondly, if you do manage to give your life to Christ on your deathbed, Christ will accept you. He will. So you should. And you will die. And one day I will die. We will meet each other in heaven. I will wave to you from my Ferrari as you're, <laughs> as you're roller skating down the road. That's God is offering salvation, forgiveness, peace in the midst of storms. And I've discovered this, that God wants us to have wisdom because life can be really hard. Life can be hard. And I hope you hear the heartache of King David. This is a man who's made mistakes. This is a man who has paid a price. This is a man who has caused great damage to himself and to his family. And this is a man who's not riding this from a high lofty tower. This is a man who we're going to see as we go through these chapters. And if you read the blog, you'll see that there is a story throughout Proverbs. And this story is a man talking to his son. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are talking about why you need wisdom. That's it. It talks about the pitfalls of how you can prevent yourself from becoming wise. It talks about the benefits of gaining wisdom. But come with me back to... Chapter 1, verse the last couple of verses, verse 32. Perhaps this father in our story is thinking that his oldest boys had rejected wisdom. They had rejected the offer of all that they were actually looking for. Jesus told the story of two brothers. One of them thought he wasn't getting everything he deserved. This is the story of the prodigal son. You remember it says he came to the father and he said, give me my share of the inheritance. Do you remember what the next part of the story says? It says this, and the father divided his inheritance among them both. Isn't that interesting? The prodigal got his share and the older brother got his share at that moment. It's amazing. The prodigal went off thinking, now I've got everything I want. The older brother had everything he wanted. Neither of them knew what they should have known. Everything he really wanted was always there in the first place. It was always his. The older brother, everything he really wanted was right there in front of him. He just couldn't see it. What a tragic, tragic place to be spiritually. Everything your soul deeply, deeply craves is right there. And you miss it. What a terrible place to be spiritually. And you know the story how the older brother despised it when the younger brother came home. But we see the heart of the father. Because even though he gave everything away by the time the younger brother came home, he'd rebuilt it all. He had fatted calves ready to go. Luke 15, you can read the story. So, Verse 32, for the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. We're going to read in these 31 chapters that wisdom comes not from pulling down a word from God, not from decking out cards and going, aha, uh-huh, that's what I should do. That's not wisdom. We're going to see that wisdom comes from at least 12 different sources, and God Encourages us to seek out those sources. Now, here's the benefit. We're reading the last verse, verse 33. Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease. Isn't that what you want? That's what I want. I want to be secure, I want to be emotionally secure. And I want to have an ease about me. Not, I don't want to live under a religious spirit. What does a religious spirit do to a person? You're not good enough yet. Just do one more prayer, one more whatever, one more whatever. Then maybe you still might not be good enough yet. And Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you, what's the word? Rest. Rest. For my yoke is easy. The good thing about becoming a Christian is all the work's been done. It's absolutely free. That's the really good thing about becoming a Christian. It's all free. And you see the last part of this? Without dread of disaster. I finish with this thought Jesus described. Wisdom as being the foundation for a good life. We read in Matthew chapter 7 from about verse 24 that Jesus said, it's possible to build your life foolishly, foolishly. And then it's possible to build your life wisely. And Jesus said, the wise man builds his house upon the rock and that rock is everything I teach. Jesus Christ says, If you choose to live your life any other way than how I've taught, you are a fool. I have discovered that by trying to build my life on what Jesus taught, it's remarkable how well life goes. Has anyone else found that? If you're not a Christian here today, you've never given your life to Christ, I do not want you to leave this place the same way you came in. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you have not got that foundation of wisdom in your life, you may be here and you think, just simply coming to church makes me a Christian. No, driving into a garage does not make you a car. Just because you live in a biscuit tin doesn't make you a mouse. That is not what makes you a Christian. A Christian is somebody who has said, Jesus, come into my life. Spiritually, come into my life. Help me to live for you. A Christian is somebody who has seen, who has, their spiritual eyes have been open, and they've seen that that beautiful necklace they've got around their neck, all the good things they've done, is actually a necklace of cockroaches. Ugh, get that yuck thing off. A Christian is someone who has seen that they are naked without God. Please, I need you to clothe me. I need you. I need you. Isn't that what Adam and Eve felt immediately when God stepped in? The first thing they reached for were fig leaves to cover themselves. A Christian is somebody who's given their life to Jesus Christ. Have you done that today? Have you given your life to Jesus? Are you living a wise life? Perhaps you're here and you're a lukewarm Christian. Perhaps you're here and you're a Sunday Christian. Perhaps you're here and you're a compromising Christian. Can you hear the Father screaming, calling, inviting? Can you hear wisdom summoning you, inviting you? Don't believe the lie. Believe me instead. Let's pray. Eyes closed, heads bowed, our hearts are stilled. And Holy Spirit, we invite you right now as you hover in this room over these people's lives right now, that you will begin to speak. You will begin to summon. You will begin to call. You will begin to draw, open people's eyes, open people's ears. And Father, if I've said anything that's misrepresented you, God, I'm so sorry. I, it's the last thing on this planet in this lifetime I ever want to do. But I pray, Lord, that you would help people to hear something that is going to weigh over right And now, Lord, I pray for those things that I've shared today that is, that, that is truth the truth that we must give our lives to Jesus Christ and that we must seek your wisdom. We must invite you to guide and direct our lives. This applies to us whether we've been a Christian one minute or one lifetime. I pray, Father, that you would help every parent here to be a proverbially wise parent. We read today of this parent, David, who made so many mistakes as a parent. So many of his children went wayward and yet toward the end he was able to impart wisdom to his children. May this give us as parents who have failed too many times and we care to count hope that we can get it right. As we listen to the wisdom of this man who will speak of the virtues of marriage and and the virtues of living a life of faithfulness, may we realise this is a man who has committed adultery. This is a man who has been divorced. This is a man whose life was a mess. And by your grace, he was able to put his life back together, find forgiveness and now impart wisdom to his son. May this too give us hope. That no matter how bad we've done in our lives, we can come back to you and you can restore our lives and give us wisdom. If that's you right now, you know that you are not right with God. You do not have peace with God. You do not belong to Jesus Christ. You've not given him your life. If that's you, will you pray this prayer from your heart? Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for my sin. Please cleanse me, wash me and forgive me and help me. To live for you, I pray. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to live for you. Amen.
0: Don't do as I do, do as I say. Heard that before? It was David's encouragement to Solomon in Proverbs chapter 1 to live wisely. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, A Proverbial Search for Wisdom Part 1, are available from Lagana Media. You can contact us at PO Box 1143 Lagana, Tasmania 7277 or via the website FindingTruthMatters.org. If you'd like to subscribe to the monthly e newsletter Perspectives, visit FindingTruthMatters.org and click subscribe. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Ghana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.